TheOAMNetwork.com For the love of God. For the love of God. Hello, I'm your host, Sean Mosley, and you're listening to For the Love of God. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download, 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash OAM. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial.com forward slash OAM for your free audiobook. Today, we continue our interview with Leah Keys. There's a lot, you know, I personally, I like, I have a lot of anxiety and I, I, I struggle with, with, um, some dark places in my heart. And I think that storytelling has helped me a lot with that. Make sure that you continue to subscribe and download in your favorite podcasting app. Remember to like us on Facebook. We are for the love of God. Follow us on Twitter. We are at for the love of God underscore. We are also on Instagram. The number four, the love of G zero D. Email us if you have any questions, comments, or want to be a guest on the show at for the love of God dot podcast at gmail dot com. Sometimes they don't, and they might quietly email me you know, a week later and say, I just can't stop thinking about that. I just, you know, and, and that was, that was really, that really touched a lot of people. And, um, cause we've all, we all have, you know, we all have, uh, these scary things that happen to us in life. It's not, it's a, it's not all happy. It's a, it's a spectrum of emotions. And Peter Aguero has been, uh, he's a storyteller with the moth mm-hmm. and he's been, um, a, a really kind friend and, and, and a bit of a mentor to me. And, um, he says that, you know, we all kind of carry around all these skeletons. Mm-hmm. And, um, when you start telling your stories, um, they're not so scary anymore. Yeah. Like when you start owning your stories and owning the things that happen to you, like it's, it's not as scary. You don't have to tuck it away in the file cabinet. Is yeah, what he sometimes says. You, f- you know, you, you file forget. It. Sometimes you forget about your story until you hear yeah. s- like somebody else been through that same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like uh, when I heard your story about the the cotton balls. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like that never happened to me precisely, but. Right, but you were I once, know that feeling. Right, you were once an adolescent. Right, you once probably felt uncomfortable with your body and yes. inadequate. Still, ba- yeah. Well, yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. You saw, I, like, I wear big long coats. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, like we all share in those common values. And what's so wrong with admitting that and talking about it and giggling and and hugging? Maybe you know. Yeah. Yeah, I feel bad sometimes. People they come up to me after the the the, the story about touching, and it's like I know you don't like to be touched, but give me a hug. And sometimes I feel like I let them down because oh, I'm I'm open for it now. Like look at <laughs> yeah. you. It may not be like a three minute hug or anything no, like that. No, you're but. not going to hold one another and sway. <laughs> you know, you're not in an iron and wine concert. You're not going to sway. Yeah, you know. But yeah, yeah that that was a big. That was big. That's big. And and really, like, anytime anybody is willing to, every time people get up there, they're vulnerable. Yeah. Um, and everybody's truths and everybody's stories vary in, in, in stakes, but we're all, I love the respect, the mutual respect and the active, you know, the active role that the audience plays in listening. And they're so kind and generous just as the storytellers are. So, mm-hmm. so that, yeah, that, that, this feels like church. It does. This feels like my ministry. And I don't, so when I say my ministry, I don't want to sound like, 
I am the leader of this. <laughs> you know, everybody, chi- you know, put on your high tops and we're going to pass the Kool-Aid around. It's not like that. It's not, I'm not like that. Like, no, uh, you know, no I'm Kool-Aid. no Kool-Aid or Branch Davidian or anything like that. Like, just I just. PBR. Yeah, just PBR <laughs> and like white wine and, yeah. you know, whatever. But, or water. If you like water, we got yeah. that too. But I just, I, I feel like, uh, I feel like this this space that is spill it and this place and this um process that it's it is just so many things it's all of these things and and I think that my dad's work um set the example for me to be able to um give people voices and a place for their voices and to know that those voices are important um I've never been to an Episcopal church. Yeah. Do they have what what we call when I was growing up in black church uh, a testimony service? Oh, um, you know, I I don't really remember. I don't really remember much of that. I don't. Yeah. There's like a. There, it can take up a lot of time. Yeah, it can. <laughs> yeah, it can. And and the funny thing is that like. Like a lot of people uh, joke about how the Episcopal Church is like a light version of the Catholic Church. Okay. So, like, there are a lot of similarities in the church service, but there is a definite order. Mm-hmm. Like, it does not switch up a whole lot unless there's a baptism or oh, okay. it's like Confirmation Sunday, which is like once a year. Um, now if the bishop comes, you got to get comfortable because they're probably going to preach for a while. Um, my mom was always cute. She would always time everybody's sermon, whether it was my dad (laughs) or, um, or a guest, a guest preacher, uh, or guest clergy, um, and her rule was, you know, seven to nine minutes, which is ironically kind of my rule. But um Really? Seven to nine minutes? Well, yeah, seven to nine minutes. That was she was like, You can say what you need to say about this gospel for this week in seven to nine minutes. Wow. Yeah. My mom was uh she was she was sweet, like I said, you know, she didn't say that with the with the probably the attitude that I just said it. She would never have said that. But I always remember like looking over at her and she would check her watch right when the sermon would start. So this the service is uh there's a there's a and of course like I said, Andy would be able to explain this a lot better. There's a service that's called the Right One service, which is an old kind of an old version. It's like a kind of an old it's kind of for the old timers, the more like real traditional uh-huh. uh, Episcopalians. And then there's the right to service, which is um, it's more modern, even though it still seems like, you know, it's the sound of music, like very old, you know, nuns and such. Not that there are any nuns here, but uh, I mean, maybe there are. I don't know. I shouldn't have said that. I retract that statement. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh um, so yeah, like there's the right one and the right two and the right one usually doesn't have any music. It's very, uh, it's very mellow. It's very old timey. Um, and then the right two, there's lots of music. And if it's like a, um, if it's like a, a alumni Sunday, like I said, if it's Easter or <laughs> Palm Sunday, like, you know, we're like waving palms around and there's like, at least at St. Mary's, they have these um, incredible, like, um, incredible, like ribbons and poles and fla- on, ribbons on tied to poles and flowers and a donkey that comes in and walks, processes in. And it is amazing and brings me to tears every single time. It's beautiful. It's really a production. It's really, it's really beautiful. But to answer your question, like, I think that like maybe during, you know, there is a point in the service where, um, sometimes the clergy or the, the, the celebrating, um, the the celebrant, excuse me, will, um, ask if anyone has any announcements, you know, kind of community Mm -hmm. announcements, which they don't always do that, but, um, uh, periodically people would come up and say like, okay, well, we're going to a mission trip in Honduras and this is what we're going to do. And if you are able to support us in this way, that would be awesome. But, but that's about it. You know, really like the service revolves around the gospel lesson and then the way that, um, the, uh, the clergy will, 
will preach the sermon and the way that they interpret it and apply it to, you know, what's happening in, in our lives and in our culture. And, um, and also, you know, communion is a big thing when mm-hmm. we do that every, every single service, um, much like the Catholics do. Like I said, it's like Catholic light. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, there's really, there's really not a lot of like testimony. I don't think, I think that's, that there's opportunity for teaching within like the Christian education, mm-hmm. within the like adult education. But, um, I don't, I don't, yeah, there's, it's not, it's not like spill it <laughs> in that way. <laughs> Definitely you, you, you probably would have liked testimony service. Oh, Somebody I've, gets up and. Yeah, I've been to a few. First give an honor to God. Yes. <laughs> I went uh, a few, like when I first moved here, uh, my family came to visit and my sister was insistent upon uh, seeking out um, Al Green's church down in Whitehaven. And so she and my mother and I went to a service there and it was awesome. And we got to hear a lot of stories and, I um, bet they didn't preach for nine minutes, though. <laughs> no, but I loved every second of it. You uh-huh. know, I didn't want to leave. I felt it, it was it was just so it was nice. Like I, I enjoyed it. I yeah. it was, and I felt connected, and I felt, you know, I I believed in those humans as I still do. You know, you too. Yeah. So, how did you start spill it? Oh, okay. So, um, the hot question, <laughs> the hot question, the burning question. So, spill it started because, um, okay, I'll give you a little background. Uh, when I first moved to Memphis, I was married and um, kind of bounced around uh, the Mid South, living in different areas, but always worked at the same place at the Maria Montessori School in Harbor Town and had. Um, a wonderful, supportive, loving family and community there, which felt very similar to the church communities that I've been in. Um, I really struggled in my, in that marriage. My ex-husband and I really, really struggled. And, and, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time alone. Um, and sometimes I would live in really rural areas like out at Horseshoe Lake in Arkansas. And I spent a lot of time alone or just alone with my daughter or, you know, if my daughter would go to bed. She was really young. She was like two or three. She'd go to bed and then it was just really quiet. Um, because he was working or away and, um, uh, away working. And, um, so, I was just, I was really lonely and, um, and I, you know, I come from a very creative family. I come from mm-hmm. a really connected family and I was being neither of those things and experiencing neither of those things. So, um, I started listening to this American life and the moth podcast. And so this is probably like 2008, 2007. And, um, I found it so, uh, crazy that I could sit in my home alone out in the middle of nowhere (laughs) and feel so connected and emotional to these voices. You can't even see them. You know, it's just a podcast. You can't even see them. I feel so connected to these voices and the stories that they were telling. And, um, and I always wondered like, what's my story? I don't know how to, I would never know how to do that. I, that, but I, but I definitely was like, way into the emotional connection and that rush. Um, and then I, so I started listening to them all the time on my commutes into town. Cause it's about, you know, 45 minutes to an hour, depending on traffic, uh, to get to school every day. And, um, yeah, just like really, I'm, I was, you know, of course, very porous emotionally, you know, I would take, you know, very sympathetic and empathetic and just emotional mess. <laughs> so anyway, um, you know, my, that, that marriage ended and that, um, and that was really, really hard as it is when marriages end. And like, and I felt my, I found myself, even though I was alone all the time before, I felt really alone after mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And so I continued to listen to the stories and, um, and, you know, I went through some ups and downs and, and ended up meeting my now husband, Jamie. Um, and he, he's something else. He's really a force. And, um, I 
found I, f- I found that in our partnership, um, one of the things that developed or maybe finally cracked open that had been closed for a really long time was that, um, well, I'm a force too. Mm-hmm. And, and I might even be a bigger, force. a bigger force. Not that it's a contest, but like <laughs> I might even be a bigger force because I, you know, I spent a lot of my life, um, to, you know, kind of tiptoeing, Mm-hmm. tiptoeing whether it was around you know my ex-husband or my family or my church family and I yeah I'm a force and I wanted to hear I wanted to do something I wanted to do something I wanted to feel the connections of the human beings that I was around my neighborhood and my community and my school and um, I was very inspired by uh, Virginia and Joe Murphy's um, uh, Playback Memphis, which if you ha- if anyone hasn't been to a Playback Memphis per- performance, they definitely need to go, um, including yourself. Have you been? Have you been yet? Have no, you been? this oh, is my oh, first time here. <laughs> Playback Memphis, man, that's that's their their there's something else. They um, on the spot ask their audience members to. Um, share quick just real quick short story and then actors play it back to them Uh and it's improvised and it's really an amazing powerful beautiful experience especially when you get people talking about tough stuff when people feel safe and they're ready to talk you know and so virginia and joe's work is is huge and I, i you know i'm really i was really inspired by that so anyway i really wanted to um I really wanted to start something up and Jamie, my husband was just incredibly supportive of it, but I just, you know, as you do, when you start anything new, you just have all these doubts and you don't want to commit to anything. And, um, I was at my friend on Dean's house on Dean is my friend who is visiting right now Mm -hmm. from Colorado. Um, I was at her house and I said to her, you know, I really have this idea. I really want to do this thing. Um, but I don't know where I would do it and I don't know, I don't know how to do it. And she said to me, well, you need to talk to Christopher Miner at Crosstown Arts because they have a space that they want people to use as a performance space in their basement of, of one of their buildings. And, um, (laughs) I was like, no, (laughs) now I have to do this. this. Uh, that's how, kind of what I did uh, with this podcast. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, now yes. I got to do it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like I have all I, there. Are, yeah. That. So once you say it out loud, you yeah. know, there's a, there's a, there's a bit of a commitment to it. And so, yeah, I, I decided to do it. I decided to, to have an event and it was really amazing to, um, go through that process with the storytellers, go through the, like have people just, you know, clamoring and banging down the door to tell stories. And we ended up with six people and it was really great. The turnout was great. I think there were like 80 some odd people there. And, um, it was the most crazy nerve wracking experience for me. Like the ride was just a little, it was really intense (laughs) for me. It was really Mm -hmm. intense, but that's what I, you know, I, I was kind of after that. Um, so yeah, that was kind of how that started. And I thought, okay, I'll do these quarterly. And I talked to a couple of people in other cities that do this. Um, particularly there's a guy named Mark Moss who lives in Missoula, Montana, where my sister lives. And I got on the phone with him and just kind of asked him how, kind of how he goes through this process. And, and, and it's a very different, um, there are things that are very similar, but also things that are very different about the way that, that, um, that he is able to run it in Missoula, just logistically, um, that, that, uh, that we don't have here and that's fine. And there are things that we have here that they don't have. Anyway, I had, uh, a resource, you know, I had somebody to, to ask about it. And Mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, like I did, I don't know, like three or four events. And then shortly after that, uh, Samita Wolf from the Unchained tour, which is uh, George Dawes Green, the founder of the Moth, mm-hmm. um, and and he had Michaela Blay and uh, Peter Guerrero and um, Annie Duke, um, 
and uh, Christopher Paul Stelling and Tim Manley, they uh, wanted to come through Memphis and they needed a contact and they needed a little help promoting and, 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 you know, finding a space. And so I worked with them not even, you know, eight months into doing Spill It. And that was kind of a dream come true to have them like yeah. show up in their crazy school bus at my house. <laughs> <laughs> and like all of a sudden there are like nine people at my, in my house and they're all amped and getting ready. And it was really, it was really kind of crazy having like your idols in your house, uh, uh, you know, who, who just like kick ass at what they do, <laughs> you know? Um, was that your wildest imagination for spill it or I did not, I did not. That just was just like, <laughs> not, I can still cannot really comprehend that. And mm-hmm. the thing that's funny too, is that I have one bathroom in my house. Right. And then there's a, there's a toilet in the basement and we call it like the gas station toilet. Cause it's just a toilet. There's like kind of a shower curtain there. So you can use the bathroom if you need to. And at that point, like it had rained a lot. And when it rains a lot, a lot of mud comes into my basement. So I told George, I was like, you know, he's the founder of the moth and this incredible author. I was like, Hey, uh, there is another bathroom, but it's in the basement. I don't know if you want to go down there because it's kind of scary. And he was like, I don't care. <laughs> he comes back <laughs> up. He goes back up in the basement and he's like, I've, I've, I've stepped in mud. <laughs> and his shoes are just completely covered. He has no idea like what to do. Cause he, it's as though he's walked through a swamp. It was so awful because it had been raining so much, but, uh, he's going to tell a story about it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully you forgot about that. <laughs> but actually, uh, we did bring it up. Uh, we contacted him when we went to New York um, uh-huh. a couple years ago so, because we were going to a moss slam. And my husband, Jamie, said, hey, this is Jamie. Remember you slipped in the mud in my basement in Memphis? And uh, uh, and he did remember us. He was He was very kind and generous. And we got to go to one of the slams for my birthday, which was really exciting. Um But yeah, like, uh, it's been really cool to, um, to watch Spill It evolve and my, my, me, uh, to watch, to, to see myself evolve, to go, go from like being this like crazy nervous wreck that like bites everybody's heads off for (laughs) like, you know, three weeks before a Spill It, which is what I was doing in the beginning. And then you know, would have like that post spill it let down in the very beginning. And now it's like, it's such a well, do you do that? You're motioning to yourself. Do you do that? Do you uh, get worked up? And then there's just there's like, a, oh. it's like, yeah, yeah. it takes a couple of days. Light comes down. Yeah. It's, it really is. It's, yeah. it's, there's, there's a high, there's like some, there's just yeah. so much energy there. And like, and now, um, now I'm a little bit more relaxed with it and I trust, I really trust it a lot more than I really trust it a lot more than, than I, I used to. And that's a really nice feeling. And then, it, and with that, um, you know, there's, once you trust something like that and you feel comfortable, then there's some room for expansion and that's mm-hmm. what I'm working on right now. But, um, but yeah, like it's been t- like, I've drove, I've driven myself nuts over this, like the, and, and I don't, I don't know, like, I don't really talk about that a lot about, um, I mean, I talk about the creative process a lot with storytellers, mm-hmm. uh, when they're working on it. And I talk about how, like, this is hard. You would never do this in under any other circumstance, really. Like you would never put yourself in this position, but, um, but like, uh, you're going to edit out all these likes and uhs, right? Nope. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> but for myself, it's, it's a, it is a process. It's just like for everybody else, whether you're a musician or an artist, like you go through these periods of like blocks and like self doubt and like, I hate what I'm doing, but wait, I don't hate what I'm doing. I'm going to rally and I've got these deadlines and. You know, I think like there have been, there's probably was only one time when I was like, I'm canceling spill it. I'm just going to cancel it this weekend because I don't want to get, I don't want to do this. I don't want. And then of course, like I don't great turnout. I told a story myself, you know, like, and it's great, but it's just, it's all, it's all a roller coaster. It's just like any, it's just like anything else, I guess, you know? So you, are you able to look back on it and say, oh, this is a, a, a success, and and I brought this to fruition from idea to 
Here it is. On a good day, yes. Oh, well, okay. Day, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm insecure just like everybody else. And I'm, I, I get, uh, real scatterbrained and I get big ideas and then I feel really small sometimes and I feel really powerless sometimes and then I feel really empowered sometimes. I'm just all over the place and like, so yeah, this is great <laughs> that I'm hearing this. Yeah, because do you I, did you know that? Uh, did you know that? No, you, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I thought you just get up there just looking fierce and like, hey, no, no, spill it. And that's the other thing too, Sean. Like, uh, you guys don't see me right now, but like, I am in like sweatpants. I'm wearing my husband's socks. My shoelaces don't match. My hair. <laughs> I haven't washed my hair in like five days. Sorry, I wash. I'll clean this off. Your that's okay. Off after you know, I, I and like that's kind of the joke among some of my friends is that I say like, oh. Well, well, I got dressed today. There's a spill it today. So I got dressed today. So like, you know, I, a lot of my time I spend, um, working on my house or being distracted and working out here or fretting or, you know, wondering what's next or, you know, waiting for Josh, my, the creative director, <laughs> to text me and say, hey, when are you going to post those stories? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to do that, you know, because <laughs> I get really behind. I'm really, you know, I'm just like, I'm like uh, kind of, you know, I. you're right, though. Like, I feel like, and I've talked with Josh about this. I said, uh, I feel like I'm able to pull it together if I have to speak in front of a crowd. Mm-hmm. No, pro- you know, no problem. Maybe, you know, maybe it's too comfortable. But, um, but yeah, like day to day is, is, uh, it's a lot, you know, it's a lot. My husband has a really, um, crazy business with America photo and it's all over the place. And I've got three kids and got a dog and a lot of family and a freaking junkyard in my backyard. (laughs) (laughs) I said out loud the other day, I said, I'm going to take a blowtorch to the front porch. Like I can't, I just can't. I can't, it's, it's just so much crap everywhere and it's a lot. So yeah, I'm just, that. that's, I, I do, you're right. Like, not you're right. Uh, like you said, uh, I do feel like it. it's a success and it's something that I've created out of nothing um, on a good day. But then there are, it, you know, there are other days when I, I I'm not sure... I know where I know where to go from here, but I just have, you know, I have self doubts, and that's just part of the creative process. Is is saying like, oh, I have a great idea. Wait, uh, that's never ever gonna work. <laughs> and then you pull it together, and it works. Awesome. So, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, I total. I claim like total insecurity. I'm s- super self conscious about like all the likes that I'm saying and the connection between my brain and my mouth and the things that come out. And that's great. Cause I thought, I thought it was just me. Cause I'm, I'm <gasps> new. I'm new to this creative no. thing or whatever. No. And I just, I, I like, like, uh, I just got accepted to this, um, all female, um, fringe festival in, Winston-Salem and um, I'm doing it because I want to I have told stories in the past but I really want to work more on the performance my performance aspect and not that I don't know what what will become of that but um, you know I've got the production thing down and I just want to practice the performance thing Mm -hmm. and these are stories and and presentations that I've done before uh, that I will do in February at this it's called the Ruby Slipper Fringe Festival and, um, and I, yeah, I, I am freaking out about that and it's stuff I've already done. I've probably told, I've told some of these <laughs> stories twice. I've like, I have the audio of it, edited it down, submitted it to other things. Like, and I'm still like, uh. <laughs> and my sweet mom and dad called and they said, well, you just tell us when your performance date is. Cause we're going to have people coming from Pennsylvania and from, you know, here and there to come all, you know, all of our, our church family from the past coming to, to see me and all my tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> they still love me. My mom and dad still love me. <laughs> they do just wear one of those. 
good old church gowns or something. Yeah. <laughs> I can find a Laura Ashley dress with the, you know what I'm talking about, with the floral, like with the big collar and like the, the sailor bow. 1980, um, 1980, I want to say 89, 90. That was the, that was the thing. They're very like, uh, almost they, kind of Puritan looking. Do they have shoulder pads? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. I know nothing Always about very, fashion. They look like, well, they look like, um, you know, upholstery. Like, it, like they look like flat, like floral, lots of flower designs, sometimes corduroy. But uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll have to I'll have to find something funny and eighties ish to wear because I think that's kind of what I'm going with for these stories. Anywho, so another creative thing you do is uh, you're in a band. Yeah, rock band. Yes, no. <laughs> yes, rock. There is a guitar behind you, but I, I need to play it more than I do. Um, I did, play... did your did your choir days? And... Yeah. Did it that yeah. influence your Oh yeah, definitely. Um I uh I I love singing in the choir. I love I did it forever. Um my sister and I sing together. She is a musician. She's a writer and teacher as well, but um she's a musician and has been for a while and it's just something that we always did together that um really just kind of came naturally maybe with the training that we got through the church choirs. So um, I like to think of myself as being like the ninja of backup singing. (laughs) The reality of that is actually that there's a woman named Kelly Hogan who is that. But I did get to back her up a few months back. Awesome. Uh, yeah, which was like very surreal because I was like, "Wait a second. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I can, uh, I can find like as far as singing, I can, I can sing melodies, but I can sing harmonies and descants and and um, and lots of different parts uh, because of the church choir. And then, uh, you know, I didn't play, I play, I didn't play video games very much when I was a kid. Like we played, we got a regular Nintendo like way after everybody else had moved on to like super (laughs) nintendo or whatever was next whatever the next console was we didn't have it um but i feel like when i play guitar or when i play banjo i feel like i'm playing super mario one on nes and like warping and you know going to the warp zones and throwing fireballs at dragons and the coordination that you use with your fingers and how you you know, get to a point with a video game where you don't really have to look Mm -hmm. at your fingers. You're just like, you're just doing it. And, and that's how it feels playing the banjo and the guitar. And I am, I'm not as strong at that as I am with singing and backing people up, but, uh, but I really enjoy it anyhow. So, um, uh, my friend Jeff Hewlett and I have been playing music since, um, probably like June or July. And it's been really fun playing with him. He's a really talented musician and he's multi-instrumentalist and, um, he is very good at, um, at improving upon a song and just as far as like arranging things and, and, and he's very patient with me. Um, and also, you know, he challenges me and I really like that. I really like that, um, that, you know, I've, I've got to, there, I have things, I know I have things to learn, but you know, I, I can't just, I can't just always, you know, skate by and let him do everything. Like I've got to learn, there might be some new chords that are really awkward and hard to hit and I've got to learn them, um, and so that's good. That's good. It's um, it's really fun. And it and it definitely like had I not had the whole church choir experience, mm-hmm. I would not hear. I would not sing. I would not play. But I would also never hear other people's music the way that I do, mm-hmm. because I am able to pick pick it apart, and it's like it's just the most amazing blessing to be able to hear like that to, and, and I, you know, I used to speak French, uh, fluently and I can understand it now. I can't speak it, but I can understand it, but I feel like I can understand music in the same way that I can understand French and, and hear all of that. 
all of the sounds and all of the the rhythms and the the um the way that the instruments talk to one another to create one solid sound and that's really that's really that's just such a huge gift to me that I'm really thankful for and I owe that to I totally owe that, that to the church to um specifically to Wilma Jensen who was the director of the uh choir she was the choir master in Nashville at St. George's and Alan Husty in Lynchburg, Virginia, who was the organist and uh, the choir master there. Just crazy, talented people. That's like a whole nother world, too. I played drums in church growing up. That's awesome. If you ever need a mediocre drummer. Uh, me and Leah. Okay. In this mediocre drummer. <laughs> okay. No, but see, here's the thing. I'm a mediocre banjo player and guitar player, and Jeff makes me better. And Jeff was the drummer in his band, Snow Globe. Uh-huh. So, were we to all collaborate <laughs> and combine, Jeff will bring it out of you. He's like... He's like the mediocre whisperer. Yes. He's the mediocre whisperer that like... Yes, Exactly. Have you you've talked to him before? Have you talked to Jeff Hewlett? Oh, uh, probably shortly. But uh, yeah, I he need- is the nicest person on the planet. So nice, uh, and I've told him this. I'm like, I have been suspicious of you <laughs> because you are so nice. I kept waiting. I was like, what's the catch? Yeah, like, what's the deal? And I said it to one of his old friends one night that I didn't know his friend. I just mm-hmm. met his friend. Um, and I said, I, I said, I'm kind of, he said, what do you think of Jeff? And I was like, you guys having fun playing music? And I was like, yeah, I love playing music with him. He's just a little, t- <laughs> a little too great and nice. And what's, I, I'm very, I'm kind of a little suspicious and skeptical. And he was like, yeah, no, don't need to be. That's all, that's all that's there. <laughs> so awesome. yeah, were we ever to collaborate, you'd be in good hands. Awesome. For sure. <laughs> Just tell me what to play, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just tell me what to do. That's what I do sometimes. And even 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 after we stop playing, and we're like, "Thanks, thanks for having us." You know, thanks for having us. He's like, you know, he has to lean over and say, "Okay, this is when you need to pack up all of your stuff as fast as possible and get off the stage as fast as possible." And I was like, "Oh, oh yeah, yeah. That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing right now." So it's nice to have his direction for sure. For sure. Who came up with the name? Me and Leah. Jeff. <laughs> I can't, you know, it was funny because we texted back and forth about it and I can't remember, I can't remember now some of the things that I suggested. I was very jealous though because he had just, maybe before we started playing together, started playing with Chad Nixon and they had the best, they have the best band name. It's called Couples Skate. And I uh-huh. thought that was a really great name. Um, but uh, but yeah, we are me and Leah, which is funny to say for me to say at least. Yeah. Uh, because I'm the Leah, and it's kind of like so unselfish of Jeff. Like he, his name is he's first, but his name's not even I in know. there. <laughs> I know. He's a selfless kind of dude. Like yeah, suspiciously. I'm, be- I'm getting suspicious of Jeff. Are, now, aren't dude. you? Aren't yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Jamie, my husband had to call. He, Jeff works for the Church Health Center, uh-huh. and uh, and he had to call the Church Health Center recently to to make an appointment. Oh, I think you forgot to call them this morning. Anyway, but when you call the Church Health Center, you, Jeff's voice is the recording that you hear, mm-hmm. and it's just it's so funny to be his friend and and know him, and then call, and it's like, welcome to the Church Health Center. If you need to make an appointment press one and it's so he's just like just the sound of his voice he's just such a nice dude he'd be nice to you sean we'd make a good band we'd make <laughs> awesome. a good band yeah yeah we'll get chad nixon on the, in on that too i've been in bands where i got yelled at and stuff <sighs> <laughs> kind of discouraged really? me oh yeah i mean it, church bands whatever they take wait, it like really wait, hang seriously. on a second Church bands, they were yelling at you? I guess I, I take that Especially back. Especially the drummer. I take that back because they used to fuss at us. I always just say they fussed at us when we were in choir. Like, no, 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 no. You're doing this all wrong. You know, but I, okay, so I do understand that. Yeah. Especially the drummer. Like, you're dragging. <laughs> you're not playing yeah. it right. I have terrible rhythm. I drag. I drag when I'm talking. My, my speech is slow. You know, I have a really uh, slow pacing and then yeah playing music 
I have to drink coffee before or have espresso or Red Bull or something before I play music because otherwise <laughs> I'm like a half beat, <laughs> half beat behind. <laughs> I need the stimulants <laughs> to play. So do you have any um, personal philosophies on happiness or being happy uh, life uh, happiness yeah. and stuff like that because uh, you seem i mean <laughs> on the outside i don't know yeah, maybe yeah. everything is like crazy <laughs> i don't yeah, know i'm really i really but am you I'm guys nothing, look I'm, look like you guys are like super happy and like the american dream well you know there are uh there are parts of our our life that are like just amazing and we're mm-hmm. we every day are in awe of the the what we have been able to create together when it comes to our family and our home and our community and just all the things that we're a part of and we're really really hold a deep gratitude for that and that um and that is just that is a happy thing that's a happy thing but uh at the same time like we're we're human you Mm -hmm. know america and and spill it we are very human and i i will say that like you know just like everybody else we are vulnerable and we make mistakes and sometimes they're really big and sometimes they can be hurtful to others and and we try really hard not to do that and and when we have been hurtful we um we 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 work it out and we um we we um you know i have uh i've had depression and anxiety since i was a kid and i still um am working on that and i'm really thankful to have family and friends that understand that and that i can talk about it with them and um have i have a great like care team in having, you know, going to therapy periodically, sometimes all the time and sometimes not, you know, depending mm-hmm. on how I'm feeling. I haven't been going for a while. Everybody watch <laughs> out. Just kidding. Um, and then, and you know, uh, we also just, I think that um, one of the things that I talk about with my kids a lot is about how um, – the things that we see on television and the the people that we talk to and a lot of the things that we see in our culture emphasize this um, eternal happiness that is to exist. And sweet, sweet, loving parents, including myself, say to their kids, oh, we just want you to be happy. But, you know, that's not life. And, nope. um, and and just like everything, there's this wide spectrum of emotions that we're all going to experience. Um, you know, we had a we had a, a dog um, that we lost a, a, about a month about a month and a half ago, or just over a month ago. And when that happened, it was so traumatic for my family mm-hmm. because she was, I think she was thirteen or fourteen, and. Um, we'd watched her really struggle in the end. And, um, and I had to explain that to my kids a lot as they were grieving the loss of, of their beloved dog. Cause they hadn't really experienced that kind of grief and loss before. And they didn't understand, um, how those feelings can, um, be triggered and how they can come to you and you shouldn't. And I told them, I said, you know, don't fight them. It's okay to feel sad. You're allowed to feel sad. If you fight it, it makes it worse. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like, uh, I feel like I would like for every day to be a wonderful day. I do. Mm-hmm. I wake up. In fact, that's funny uh, that I say that because I just realized like I wake up and usually I'm in a great mood when I wake up and that's when all the laughing happens um, when I get up in the morning, when I'm getting dressed and giggling. And once I go downstairs and assess the situation downstairs, that's usually when <laughs> things fall apart. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, but, uh, but, but, you know, uh, my, I think it was my granddad at whenever he woke up, he would say, you know, 
this is America. This is the land of opportunity. You can make this a good day. My mom said that. Um, and my mom always sang like a good morning, Mary Sunshine song. And, and, uh, so I, I try to greet my days with that attitude. And, um, and I, I, you know, I think that like we, when it comes to happiness, like we try to, uh, keep a good sense of humor <laughs> about everything. We try to remember that everyone's human, that things are temporary, that we are all always learning and we're all ever evolving as human beings, as you know, yep. and, and I, and you've experienced and I have experienced and I, um, you know, I take that into consideration when it comes to the people that, um, that I encounter on a daily basis is that, you know, so maybe at one point years ago, this person was doing these things and they were like this and this is what they're doing now. It's like, well, yeah, that happens. People evolve. It's, we're not, we're not set to be one thing yeah. forever. And, um, and I think that just being open like that and, and, um, Maybe knowing that, like, there doesn't always have to be, like, a perfect order to everything. Some people don't, like, some people learn things very early on in life and go on and, and progress in their process and in their lives. And then some people don't learn those things when they're young. They don't get to experience being young because maybe they have come into a position where they're either in a bad marriage or they're, um, you know, they're, they're addicted to drugs or alcohol and can't get clean. And then once they get clean, then they're able to experience life mm -hmm. and experience all the things that maybe, you know, we would have experienced, you know, and even just in high school, an art class, you know, uh, whatever it is writing. And, um, so yeah, we just, you know, my family, we try to keep it, keep it practical and very honest and transparent. And, and, um, I'm really, I'm really honest with my kids about, about a lot of things, but, um, I think that also comes from teaching school, teaching elementary school for 10 mm -hmm. years and like just knowing how to, um, put things in terms that young children can understand based on like, you know, where are they thinking more concrete? Are they a little bit older? Are they allowed to, to, are they able to process the abstract? Yeah. And then also, Telling them, you know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And there are a lot of people that just don't know. And then there are a lot, you know, when it, especially when it comes to religion, you know, I, I give them the stories and I give them, I give them those stories. Especially, especially when it comes to Easter, they're like, what mm -hmm. is it again? And I'll say, <laughs> and, and I tell them, um, I say, you're, this is going to sound really crazy, you know. <laughs> This is the way the story goes, you know, and I, and I explained to them and they're like, so wait, he's a zombie. Like he came, he rose, <laughs> came from the dead. And I'm like, no, you know, no, it's like, but okay. That's how you interpret it. I can't control how you interpret it. You know, that's Jesus, will, the night yeah, zombie, Jesus, the night zombie, <laughs> Jesus, the zombie of sacrifice. And yeah, it's, it's, but yeah, so I give them that, I give them the information and, but, um, but yeah, I think that, that Jamie just like, and I, when it comes to parenting, like we try to be really practical and, um, and we know we're not perfect and we know we're going to mess up, but we are, um, just crazy in love with our kids and, um, all of the, all of the things that parents are protective and, excited for them to experience things in life. But, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure I'm answering your question very well when it comes to the happiness thing, because I just think that, I think that there are like, there's a lot of laughing that goes on in our house mm -hmm. and there's a lot of gratitude and there's a lot of hugging and, and sweet words. Um, but there's a lot, you know, I personally, I like, I have a lot of anxiety and I, I, I struggle with, with, um, some dark places in my heart. And I think that storytelling has helped me a lot with that. And, um, writing helps me a lot with that. Like I write, 
there's my little book right there. Just like write and write and write and write it out. Um, and, uh, and, and it's, and I'm really, like I said, I'm just really thankful that, that there are a lot of people around who, um, who understand that, who understand that, like, I might not answer their texts right away mm-hmm. or for a couple of days. I might not answer my phone. Sometimes just the sound of my phone ringing makes me panic. Oh, really? Yeah. And so I'm more likely to answer my phone if it's on vibrate or maybe on just silent and I see it ringing. And it was funny because once I mentioned that, I think I mentioned that to my in-laws, that it was like, oh, that's why you don't answer your phone. <laughs> you know, like it was like a nice, um, it was just nice for them to know that about me. Like I was being transparent about, um, you know, I'm startled by it and it makes me not want to answer it. That was actually one of my uh, New Year's resolutions this year, though, was that I was going to try to use my phone and talk to people on the phone a lot more mm-hmm. than um, than I usually do and call my parents more often. Sorry, mom and dad. I've only <laughs> called them once <laughs> since, since New Year, which is, it's, that's pretty good, though. That's pretty good. Uh, but, um, but yeah, it, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's tricky. It's tricky because there are people who live in really hostile environments who, um, who would want nothing more than to be safe. Yeah. And I have been in that hostile environment and it's really weird when you finally can be safe. Like I am like, it Mm -hmm. is possible. It is possible. Like for the people who are listening, who might be in a hostile situation, I've been there and maybe, and and maybe that's why I'm anxious now is because I'm not sure how, how to function in a, in such a safe environment or not function, but thrive. Mm -hmm. I'm still learning how, figuring out how to thrive. Um, and, uh, and I'm really, yeah, so I just try to be really thankful for that. And I, I hold deep gratitude for, for my family and for my friends here and for, for everybody who comes to spill it that I don't get to say hi to because I might, to be honest, like I might be having my own little panic attack inside, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, um, during spill it or after spill it or before spill it. So it happens. It happens to all of us, I guess. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening to For the Love of God podcast. For more info, follow us on Twitter at the number four, the love of God underscore. Find us on Facebook. If you have any questions or concerns, you can send those to for the love of God dot podcast at gmail.com. This podcast is a joint production with the OM Network. For more information and other great podcasts, go to the OM Network.com.